dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory. I'm one of your hosts, Pat Mitchell. Joining me on this, uh, our last of our Flixtober series is Adam Walker. Adam, we're fucking at the finish line. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Damn. Oh, wait. Shit. (laughs) I was like... This is very avant-garde. Let's see where he goes. Let's see how he pivots from Friday the 13th into, into our into what we're talking about tonight, which is the Halloween franchise. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, keep going. Sorry, I was completely <laughs> confused about what we were going to be talking about. So, um, fuck me. Um, yeah. Here we go. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're ready now. Um, so... We're we're here to talk about the what would be considered the <coughs> the granddaddy of of slasher films, and and also the the uh, the one most associated, of course, with the current season that we're in. Yes, so. the Halloween franchise. Uh, Michael Myers himself. Actually. I was going to say I haven't revisited this uh, in a while, but I I remember revisiting all of it before the 2018 reboot. So I I suppose I haven't revisited all of them plus the 2018 movie uh, since then. (laughs) So it's been two years since I watched all the Halloweens. But before 2018, I actually I can't think of the last time I saw any of these movies uh, more than once or twice. So. Yeah, I um I watch the first one pretty much every year without without fail. And if I don't watch it during this during this month, I will watch it at some point. So it's always in the rotation. I stopped even other, doing that. Really? I just I just have seen it like ad nauseum. It just like I've seen it too many times. Yeah, it's just it's a tradition. I just I got to I got to keep it up. Um, some of the other ones I've seen here and there, I specifically rewatched the ones that I watched the least of, or the ones that I thought maybe I had seen and probably hadn't. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I was up to speed for this. Um, there was a couple I didn't rewatch. Um, so yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. We'll see what I also I made sure that I, you know, did plenty of uh, research to fill in any of the of the gaps of my own knowledge of these movies. So I think hopefully this should go fairly smoothly. 
there's a lot going on. Uh, oh, there really yeah. is. There <laughs> I really mean, is. outside of just the movies themselves, um, between yeah. losing the rights to the franchise and it switching studios and production companies and falling into different in and out of different hands, it makes it uh, the most confusing of the big three, uh, I would say. Uh, the yeah. big three being Friday the 13th, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Halloween yeah. has the most confusing lineage. Absolutely. There's definitely a lot of continuity uh, issues to the mythos that, um, you know, that kind of like there's like a theme that goes throughout that, you know, kind of ends and then gets picked back up and rearranged and retconned. So that's where, as we were talking about off mic, I had offered the suggestion that what we should do is try and untangle this mess of continuity that, ha- that you know, that a lot of people maybe either are not aware of or, are, you know, unsure of themselves to try. We'll try and put the pieces together uh, in this saga as best as we can to help people understand what's going on. So. Yeah. So let's uh, let's do exactly that. Let's try to organize this in a way that maybe uh People that aren't as uh, in, in, in well versed with this can can possibly understand. If I were to if I were to break it up, you basically have one and two. The first two, which are for all intents and purposes, one continuous movie. So the one one and two back to back. Three, you have to throw three completely out the window. It's not. It has nothing to do with any of this. Uh, it's not a Michael Myers movie. It's not even really a Halloween. I mean. Halloween the holiday, but it's not even really uh, Haddonfield related. Um, Yeah. So three, throw three out. Then from there, four, five, and six, I like to call the Jamie Lloyd trilogy. It is uh, Laurie Strode is dead and uh, Jamie Lloyd is her daughter and Michael Myers is in pursuit of her for four, five, and six. Um, Yeah. Then that's when things get goofy because H2O, uh, which is the seventh one, forgets that four, five and six exist. And it's a direct sequel of the from the second movie. It's that's why they called it Halloween 20 years later Um, and seven and eight. So H2O into resurrection, H2O and resurrection don't have anything to do with the storyline that's established in four, five, and six. They are, for all intents and purposes, direct sequels of the second movie. Right. Then you have basically the same exact thing happening with uh, the David Gordon Green, Danny, um, Danny McBride reboot from 2018, which is also a direct sequel from the second uh, Halloween. So, in that reboot, basically, no, think of it like this. No movies have come out since the second Halloween. That's their premise. Laurie Strode isn't dead. Laurie Strode doesn't have a son like she does in H2O. Uh, none of that is is um, is in uh, the reboot. So that is a general, I, I suppose, synopsis of, of what's going on with, with 
nine and coming up on 10 movies. Uh, can I interject? Yeah. So I actually, while I was doing my research and, and my note taking, my mental note taking, cause I didn't actually write any down for this. Um, I had actually read because I was of the same mind that you were, that you just said that the, uh, Danny McBride retcon one actually takes place after the first one. It doesn't mm-hmm. take place after the second one. Well, what's the difference? Cause she's in the second one and because like, what the, happens in the second one that they wanted to ignore? The difference is because in the second one, it's established that she's his, uh, Michael Myers sister the first one it's not so oh. it's saying that that it, it it completely does away with that premise at all so they that, get rid of the sister thing altogether yes also I wanted to know because I know we said it in the previous episode but maybe people don't know we are completely foregoing discussing the Rob Zombie reboots because fuck those so that's another thing yeah you I mean um <laughs> if you <laughs> if you wanted to throw that into the the heap, uh, I, that is technically the th- the third time she gets. Ki- if you were to conclude the Rob Zombie movies, the Rob Zombie movies kill Laurie Strode off for a third time because she dies right. in an, an off screen in a car accident um, to begin four, and then yeah. is killed in resurrection on screen. And then effectively killed again for the Rob Zombie movie. So she's killed off three times in this franchise. Yes. But yeah, we're omitting uh, those. Thank you for the correction on the reboot. Yeah, I suppose. So I, I that's the that's funny. I watched all eight movies and I did not get around to the reboot because so I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. But I, I bought it since. Um I'm, I'm planning on watching it on Halloween and obviously this is being recorded before Halloween. Uh, but I didn't remember that that's not like part of that. That is part of the head canon in, or the straight up canon in the reboot is that she, she's not his sister necessarily. Yes. But so in that one, then not to get too far into to discussing this one, particularly, um, we don't know what is driving him then to continue to pursue her 40 years later. She's the one that got away. She's the one that got away. So that's really it. So that's the thing with, with that version of these movies, it, it returns to the original premise, which is that there's really no deeper familiar or are, like mystical or occult or whatever motive. He's just a psychotic killer that is pursuing, you know, these people. And yes, she's the one that got away. So there you go. Yeah. That's a strange, (laughs) that's a strange thing for them to, to do because the motivation would be that she's his sister. So it is weird that they would make that very small, <laughs> you so know. so let's say without really knowing because that's another thing we should add is that remake or that that sequel the 2008 one is a part of another trilogy maybe in the next two 
yeah, the 2018, maybe it will be established in the in the upcoming ones why he's pursuing her. So it may like kind of start the cycle all over again. Who knows? But for now, that one does not establish exactly why. What is his motivation? You know. Correct. And so, actually, I did miss. I did misspeak a little bit. H two O. It doesn't necessarily ignore the Jamie Lloyd trilogy because it's explained in H2O that she faked her own death and changed her name in order to get away from uh, to, to put distance between her and Michael. And obviously that jives with the, the beginning of four when it's explained that she died in a car accident. So actually H2O is running off of themes established in, in four, five and six. Well, okay. Let's just get into uh, the good, the bad, and the best. Then, all right. Good. Um, I'll throw it to you. Uh, and I'm, I'm genuinely curious what good you had in here. Uh, not that there wasn't a, a lot to choose from, but I think as we discussed, there's some disagreement as to which ones we thought were good. Yeah. Okay. So I would say out of all of these, let me, let me try and rank them as far as what I think is the goodest good. Oh, that's a good on, idea. I didn't even think on, about doing that. Yeah, on down. Um, so I'm only doing this because of my familiarity with it more so than I think that it actually in terms of the value of the movie is being better. But I'm going to say the top of my good of the good would be Halloween 2. Okay. So you're so, excluding you're excluding your best and you're excluding your worst. Right. Okay. So this is the meat of the sandwich. The the, so, the yeah, bread has been it, taken off. This is a carb-free uh list. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're going to bookend it here with the yeah, the the best and the bad with our good with me personally. So the top is number 2. I think of any of of them it is the goodest good in my opinion yes we disagree wholeheartedly <laughs> yeah i, I figured we, we got would. different lists go ahead though and i and i think that's just because again my familiarity with it more you know i saw the first one the third one and the second one all pretty relatively close i would say in terms of like chronology my own personal chronology um i think i know it gets a lot of flack but i think a lot of that it's it's kind of like the same thing as three in a certain way where it's just it's a time and a place sort of thing it's not necessarily that that the movie isn't good it's more that uh at the time people just weren't happy with it relative to the first one that's really what it was because the second one, in, in a lot of ways, <clears throat> it really ups the ante on the 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 killing and the gore and the murder. And <clears throat> the first one, relative 
to it is a little bit more stayed. There's definitely some like there's some brutal killings in it, like the one where, you know, he stabs the guy in the chest right there um, and he just hangs. But as far as gore and blood and things like that, or just like inventive murders, there isn't a whole lot of it, which would be more associated with what we consider the slasher film. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that, yeah, John Carpenter wanted to kind of keep pace with what was going on because that movie was made three years after the first one. So he wanted to kind of keep pace in certain ways with um, the other movies. And and it's funny because Rick Rosenthal, the guy who actually, uh, who directed this, who was a pretty unknown director at the time and ended up actually directing resurrection as well. I know um, that's really which is, weird. Which is funny. Um, Apparently his version was pretty was was more similar to the first one where it was more of like a, an atmospheric kind of suspense film. He didn't want it to be a slasher. And then John Carpenter came in after the fact and was like, no, we need to kind of juice it up a little bit. And also Dino DeLaurentiis had something to do with it. I mean, he had something to do with the other, some of the other ones, I think, as well, like four. And he's also known for wanting to juice movies up with the gore and the tits. So you had a couple different factors that went into play with making two um, a little bit more hypercharged than the first one. And it turned off a lot of director or <clears throat> sorry, a lot of critics in particular, like that, that liked Halloween because it was a little bit more sophisticated as far as horror movies go. And then this kind of just dumbed it all back down for them. So, but I like it. I think the atmosphere still uh, stays the same, and I think it's a good continuation of the first movie. So that's what I have to say about it. So two is in your good. Two two is the best of my good. The best of your good. It's a. It's almost the best, but it's not the best. Right now, I'm exactly. very. I'm actually very curious. I'm very uh, anxious to get to the best. Uh, because wow. is it is it a is it a just a goddamn for, foregone conclusion or is it yeah. outside I mean, the box? I um, guess we'll wait and see. We will wait and see. Yeah, to add to the good, um, I would throw Halloween four into the good too. Um, the journey between two and four may not be that long in years, but mm-hmm. the journey to get there was actually. Uh, there was a lot that they went through. At the end of two, um, the abject failure of three and the fact that it was marketed as a Halloween movie and was a total bomb, critically, financially, just everything, Mm -hmm. um, almost destroyed the franchise. And so they made a concerted effort to make four the back-to-basics kind of movie. Um, and it's closest to the vibe of the original Halloween, I would say, uh, closer than any other movie in the franchise. I think it does a really good job of honing in a lot of the feelings I had the first time I watched the first one. And it's the first of the Jamie Lloyd trilogy. And I love Daniel Harris in four and five. I think she did a great job and um, she was kind of screwed out of being in six. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, but 
for for all intents and purposes, it's not like it. It's not wacky. It's, it doesn't five and six start this lineage of the druidic cult and the Sam Hain worship and summoning Michael Myers uh, every year on Halloween. But but four as a standalone, not connected with five and six is is a fantastic standalone Halloween movie. But obviously uh, four, five and six are a package deal. But um I would throw four in the good. I, I, it's probably like you said, it's the, it's the top of my, of my good. Which to reiterate again, uh, the, the Sam Hain druidic cult aspect, although yes, that's when it starts to gestate more with five, that kernel of an idea itself was dropped in, in the second one. Yes, in the in when he Loomis uh, finds Sam Hain's uh, sprawl uh, scrawled in the on the walls of the of the classroom, right? So they had been okay. thinking about that idea, I suppose, since that sequel, and then it, it kind of came into its own uh, in five and six, especially. Which I know we're trying to abstain from talking about three a lot, but that's the thing with three, though, that is an interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know that that's further the interesting is that it, it it also elaborates on this Samhain druidic cult, ancient druidic mysticism. So, you know, even though with two they weren't planning on continuing the Michael Myers saga, that that idea of Samhain or Samhain, you know, cropping up in other ones, it it still happened. And then it was just kind of ran with with subsequent writers and directors. They picked up on it and they're like, well, maybe we can establish this further because there's plot holes in some of those movies that even if that that whole idea is kind of wacky, it does fill in some of the plot holes if you if you connect it all together, which brings me to my next good. I'm in agreement with you on four. I like four as well. So two and four are both in my good. I put two above four though. Um, But I think that four is a commendable way of bringing the series back from the dead, essentially. Yeah. And I agree with you with two. We just have them flip flopped. Right. So this is going to be my last one in the good, which is probably going to um, it's going to fly in the face of a lot of people's expectations. But after assessing all of these movies more closely upon doing this episode, I have to put it in here. But I actually would put six in my good as well. But it's pretty low down. Um, I have some thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. So, and I put it in here because, once again, I feel like it has a... If, if it if it made more sense, and mind you, I haven't seen the producer's cut because apparently the producer's cut is a little bit. These are all things struck. we need to talk about. Let's yeah, let's get let's break six completely wide open, and and <laughs> we we have to talk about this because it uh, almost a, an entire third of the film was reshot. 
Um, yeah. And it had all sorts of fucking problems when they were shooting it. But this coveted direct, uh, producer's cut, as the fans called it, um, is the version that should have happened that never happened and would have made right. this film a lot better. So we're talking about two completely different movies. And actually, yeah. I have six in my good and my bad because of it. Yes. Right. Six and producers cut is in my good. See, I haven't seen it, but I've read about it. And I'm just so I'm kind of cobbling this together in my mind. And I make I'm 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 making compensation with six for other reasons. But basically, I put six there because the plot of the of the Cult of Thorn does help kind of understand why Michael Myers cannot die. And even little things like why Michael Myers, even though he was locked up in, in a sanitarium for 15 years from the age of six to whatever, uh, 21, 22, can drive. <laughs> because that is a big gaping plot hole in the first one that's even established. Like, I mean, it's not really a plot hole, but it's definitely a question that's a, a, that's brought up by Dr. Loomis himself, where he's just like, how can he drive? And no one knows why. But that's established because the leader of this cult of Thorn was actually Dr. Loomis's colleague, Dr. Wynn, who is a member of the cult of Thorn. It's established in number six that he had basically been there the whole time preening Michael Myers and teaching him how to drive and basically you know, <laughs> establishing his ultimate escape to follow through with you know, the, the, the intent of the cult of thorn. So anyway, so six is a mess of fucking for a lot of different reasons. That's why one of the reasons why it's called the curse of Michael Myers is it's considered a cursed film, but there's a lot of editing issues. There's acting issues. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a piece of shit movie, but I like the fact that at least it has that going for it. And this is another thing with me. If a movie itself is like an actual like technically a not very good movie especially when it comes to slashers if there's some pretty cool kills in it like inventive kills then it kind of makes up for it so i think of like of those middle period like uh uh jamie lloyd movies that one has some of the more inventive kills some more enjoyable ones so i like it for that and i'll give one more reason before i hand it off to you the other reason why I really like this movie is because it is the debut performance of Mr. Paul Rudd. And I have, I've got, I've got, a, I've, I've got a bit of a dude crush for Paul Rudd. So the fact that he um, made his debut as a uh, um, Tommy, uh, what's his fucking name? Um, uh, we're fucking posers. We're doing the Michael, yeah. uh, Tommy Doyle. Sorry. Tommy Doyle. Thank you. So he makes his debut starring as Tommy Doyle as an adult in six. So those are the reasons why I'll put it in my good. All right. Now you go for it. I don't even know. I don't even know. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, in my good and my bad for multiple reasons. Like when you were explaining that Dr. Wynn was uh, teaching him how to drive. Like I don't need, I, I like the explanation as to maybe why he's supernatural, I don't need the explanation as to why uh, Dr. Wynn and 
and uh, Michael Myers would be at the fucking BMV getting a learner's permit. Like that, that's not <laughs> something I need. Um, although I, I think it's delightful to think about a montage a la Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid when Paul Newman is riding the bike to uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. I love the idea of <laughs> Michael Myers driving and Dr. Wynn teaching him how to drive to raindrops keep falling on yeah. my head. And he's like, he's like swerving the wheel and Dr. Wynn has to like <laughs> bring it back into the lane. Shit, that'd be adorable. <laughs> They have a good laugh. They have a good laugh. Yeah, they they fucking crash a truck into a tree in the middle of a farm, and they have to kill somebody else to get a new truck. Yeah, that'd be ador- adorable sequencing there. Um, but for all the reasons you mentioned, or the same reasons that I like it is um, obviously the Paul Rudd debut is fucking great, and this Tommy Doyle character is is crazy because so it's the boy that's being babysat in the original, all right. grown up. But also, they're going to recall his character for Halloween Kills, uh, the movie that's coming out next year. Um, that's great. So Tommy Doyle is going to be in uh, three different incarnations and in three different Halloween movies, which I think is awesome. If we want yeah. to talk a little bit about the massive differences between the producer's cut and the film that was the theatrical uh, cut... The, the main one being the entire ending is completely different. Um, yeah. Basically, uh, they they are Michael is going to sacrifice this baby, which is an, an incestuous bread baby between <laughs> Jamie and Michael. Um, yeah. uh, he's going to kill this baby um, and they're going to do the same thing with uh, with Kara and her little brother, basically her little brother becoming the next Michael Myers and um, sacrificing by killing his sister, a la Michael from the original movie. If you're still following all this shit, (laughs) that was their idea. But Tommy uses like the power of the ancient runes to stop Michael in his tracks. And Loomis like hatches this daring escape in which, uh, Dr. Wynn dies, but um, passes on this this uh, this cult leadership basically to Loomis. He sees that he has the marking on his wrist, which means Loomis is damned to become the leader of this cult and the leader of the Michael Myers cult. Uh, yeah. And he like screams out at the end of the of the film knowing that his his damnation is sealed it's a very dark ending and on paper describing this it sounds fucking nuts but mm-hmm. that was the movie and that's the movie that i have in my good i have the producer's cut in my good i've not tracked down a copy but i have watched these these alternative scenes um on youtube or whatever the fuck um uh, and I and it's so much better than than what we got. Um, yeah. So the producer's cut is in my good, but Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers, the theatrical the, the theatrical cut would be in my bad. Um, yeah. Because they just uh, the other big difference is that um, Jamie Lloyd gets killed in the theatrical cut right away, right in the beginning, yeah. which is uh, right. why Daniel Harris didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, which makes sense. Uh, she was also told that she'd be paid. She'd be compensated as if it, she were an actor that were killed at the beginning of a film. 
uh, right. and she's she, like yeah, offered she, like five thousand dollars. Yeah, she's like fuck that. I don't, I, you know, pretend I've been in the last two movies and saved your franchise. Uh, so I don't blame her for not being in it. But in the theatrical version, she's killed off right away. But in the producer's cut, she's actually just in a coma, and Doctor Wynn like brutally goes and sneaks into her ho- uh, her hospital room and just silences her in the head later on in the movie. Um, but there's scenes of, you know, Loomis and, and Kara like visiting her in the hospital and stuff. So, um, those are the, those are the big differences I would say. Yeah. Uh, maybe you and I should track down the producer's cut and do a full-time episode on it. I feel like we should, it, ne- it needs to be done. It does. Um, so that's all of my good. Well, the only I I so we're actually for thinking that we are not in agreement. The only other thing I would throw in there, uh, we are on the same page with all the good. But I'd throw five in there because I mean, if you like six, I'm, I would be curious as to hear why five is potentially in your bat. I think five is great. Five is the Halloween movie that is actually a Friday the 13th movie. (laughs) Like he is the most Jason Voorhees that he ever is in any other movie. Like it's bizarre. And he's the most violent in that movie. I, I get the knocks on it. It's the, it was the least profitable out of all of them. I'm not even, I think resurrection may have even eked out more money. Um, yeah. And the problem with five is that it was released less than a year later from four. So they were competing yeah. against themselves. They were basically stepping <laughs> on their own dicks. Like it made no sense. Even diehard Halloween people were like, oh, I'm not ready for another Halloween movie. <laughs> this, is too, <laughs> this is too soon. And, the, and the, the fourth one is in syndication and, and starting to come out on VHS and all this shit. And so like they competed against themselves and that's part of why it didn't work, but also the vap, the vapidity of all of those characters. It is, that's why it's akin to a Friday the 13th movie. People are just dying for the sake of dying. And most, none of the characters are, are built up. I like the Tina character. I think she actually has the most promise out of all those actors and out of all those characters, but I get the knocks um, against it. It it is a very, (laughs) it's a very low IQ movie, but I'm not looking for a a ton out of Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and so I get that. Um, I guess then if, unless you have anything else to say, we can just go yeah, ahead and let's, go, in, let's go into, into the, bad. the bad. So we'll just go ahead and go into the bad by me talking about five, which is in my bad. And not, not only am I going to talk about the movies of the series that are in my bad, but I'm going to just also talk about some general bads about the Halloween franchise. Um, yeah. Good idea. <laughs> that like need to be aired out. Um, so with five, yeah, I get you on all those points. Um, for me, what's going on in five that really is just like eye rolly, just makes me just bummed out is there's these particularly noticeable, like extra long, just sequences of bumbling teenery that keep reoccurring throughout the movie that just like drag the fucking movie down. Like 
there is so much emphasis on the 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 slice of life in these fucking idiot fucking asshole teenagers that yeah i mean when they fucking get killed it's great because god they suck so bad and the thing is like in a lot of slashers yeah the 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 teens in it the the characters they suck. They're terrible people. They're vapid people, like you said. So, whatever. They get their comeuppance, and you're like, fine, fuck them. You know, because I don't want to see this motherfucker on the screen anymore, and the more brutal they die, the better. Um, <laughs> so, like, that just, like, drags the movie out way too long for me, is just having to, like, hang out with them, doing dumb teen shit. Like, one particular part is when they're at the party in the barn and that fucking blonde dildo like just keeps scaring the two girls like over and over. I was about to mention him in particular. (laughs) He is the most grating character in Halloween. His laugh is so annoying. It's so annoying. Like this cackle, like like, constantly. He's he's awful. And they just keep setting that up as like the fake scare, the, the false jump scares is like three times. You're like, you have to sit through this dickhead scaring these two girls back and forth. I'm like, God, come the fuck on already. So when he dies, I'm like, yes, geez, get him off the fucking screen. The other one too. I know you're giving props to Tina, but like, she's fine at first, but like she also sucks because she comes into the hospital to visit, uh, Jamie and this, Poor young girl is clearly super distressed, super upset. And she's just like, sorry, got to go. I'm getting laid. Fuck you. You know? And I'm just like, really? Like, so I hate her too because she's just an awful fucking person. Everybody hates. Everybody hates Tina. My hot take would be that I like Tina. I think Tina's great. But the hot take or the general consensus of the Halloween movies is that she is one of the most hated characters because she, I mean, that actress received like fucking death threats in the mail. Uh, (laughs) I didn't know that. Stupid shit. Yeah. So, well, actually, before I, uh, earlier today, I have this, uh, you've probably seen it and or seen it, seen it in stores and or seen it like (laughs) seen it, seen it. But, uh, that 25 years of, of, uh, it's the 25th anniversary documentary on Halloween and they go through every single movie and they have every single actress in it, actor and actress. I just watched that before we hopped on and she was talking about how hated she was. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, did it have anything to do with, that particular scene where she just pieces out on this girl after she's like bawling her head off for her to stay. And she's like, Oh, well I've got to go to a party and you know, get bone. I, so. I think <laughs> the, it was akin to the, uh, the blonde dildo uh, that you <laughs> pointed out. I think every character in that movie was just grading to people's sensibilities. And I think, um, <laughs> the pro the problem that I have with it is a lot of the dickheads in this documentary are like, without saying this are basically like stop stop being like the fucking annoying girl and just show me those tits like that's the kind of <laughs> shit that like really fucking it really bothers me like that yeah that i think she's annoying i i i think there's real there's real uh precedence for not liking her but right i think a lot of these 
fucking mongoloid basement dwellers put a lot of project a lot of their feelings onto the the screen and get mm-hmm. lost in this shit in an unhealthy way where they are identifying with Michael Myers and it's like that bitch that didn't suck my dick and that bitch <laughs> that didn't fucking go to the, like these incels basically yeah uh, are projecting themselves and there's there's some of that going on so that makes me fucking like her more. <laughs> I got gotcha. um, gotcha. you. Know, it, it's a it's a complicated thing. The only other person that got it worse was the person that replaced Daniel Harris in six. People fucking lost their minds that they did not put Daniel Harris in the sixth one. And that girl, they, she's on screen in the documentary for like ten seconds. She, she's like, you know, it was a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, she got the six thousand dollars that Daniel Harris turned down. Um, but she mentions she's like, yeah, people were mad. I got lots of mail about it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. It made me hate fucking Halloween fans for sure. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Um, so there you go. That's those are my big beefs with five. It's just if if a lot of that just if that expositionary type of like shit was like cut out. I would enjoy it much more, but that just really makes it a slog to deal with. Um, and that's so. why I said it's kind of more of a Friday the 13th movie because it really is like, okay, just uh, set them up and knock them down kind of movie, yeah. which I thought was kind of a cool palate cleanser. <laughs> I yeah. liked it. And you also like, if you aren't, aren't, aren't familiar with what's going on, you also get the mysterious man in black. He shows up in five. He makes his appearance in five. And you don't know that he's Dr. Wynn in the sixth one. So I guess that's maybe good and bad because at the end of that movie, you're kind of like, well, who the fuck was that guy? <laughs> like He saved right. Michael Myers from dying. He gets off the bus with like those steel toed like rattlesnake boots. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And he's like throughout the movie, but you never see his face. And then and he's never yeah. explained. That's a bold move. That's basically like stick around for six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. Exactly. Well, and also, I don't know if we want to establish there is a little bit of a plot hole in the continuity between five and six, where five ends on the premise that the man in black he gets Michael Myers, he he gets him out of jail. And they escape together, and Jamie Lloyd is she's still there. She discovers that he's escaped with this guy. But then in six, it starts off with the premise that she is also kidnapped and is um, you know, taken away to be a broodmare for this coven of the cult of Thorn. So there's a continuity issue there. Well, that's a good that's a good point. I well, f- well, first of all, she also makes the leap of uh, to uh, from eight to fifteen, <laughs> and not only that, but the actress portraying a fifteen-year-old is twenty-eight. So there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's a fucking a lot going on. Uh, I, yeah. I, why I'm in my head canon. I just thought years down the road, Jamie Lloyd has been abducted and impregnated by Michael Myers and. Yeah, I could not I could not 
take the leap from, okay, this is the end of five and the beginning of six is right away because you, you can't fathomably put that actress that plays Jamie Lloyd in six in front of me and be like, six months later, like he's just not, he's like a 10 year old girl and she's supposed to be 15 in, in six. So, yeah. you know, I guess five years have gone by. I don't know. But yeah, all yeah. sorts of well, fucking continuity. I think- but I think they establish that they don't establish it that it's right away. They establish that there is some length of time between the two, but it's just not enough to give to be believable. Six has a, too much other shit to get to. Like six is like, let's get to the bunker shit. We don't have time to show you that she got abducted, but just believe us that she got abducted. Oh yeah, and she's she's gave gave birth to an incest baby. Yeah, but we don't have time to show it. This isn't fucking uh, uh, <laughs> This isn't uh, Amityville 2. We don't have time for all the incest. So, I, I don't know. Um, should I just get get out of the way a couple more of like my my bads, my yes, general bads please. that I want to talk yeah, about just do be- before we move on? Because we know we're going to talk. We know it, both of us know which is the next one we're going to talk about, obviously. Well, and, so, I, ju- and I just I – just, um, Realized that I didn't talk about H2O, but H2O is also in my good. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. H2O is also in my good. Sorry. How the I, hell did we both skip, skip H2O? I don't know. Because, I mean, it's good, but it's also kind of forgettable. You know. See, that's it's, how I feel it, about two. <laughs> okay. See, I feel the opposite. Um, I feel like H2O, it's good, but it's like whatever. Like It's good in the context that it's like in between two of like the shittiest ones. Also, it's like, oh, they were able to redeem themselves a little bit and kind of bring it back to like the nitty gritty of the of the of the movie's premise, essentially. You know what I mean? Yes. Kind of like what they did with 2018. You know, it's just like, oh, we were left with those fucking garbage Rob Zombie ones. Thank you for giving us a decent one. (laughs) Yeah. uh, The reboot is uh, very much so like taking the formula of H2O and kind of. And kind of uh, mixing it up a little bit, but also making it just like a, a really great movie. H2O, yeah. uh, I think, is really good. Um, that I I think you're right, though. I think it's sandwiched between two of the worst movies. So maybe in retrospect, it's it's kind of like. But no, I, I really do. I really do like Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, puts together her best performance of the entire series in H2O. I think. And her. They just let her and Michael Myers like cook in that fucking movie. I I I think it's great. Um, I'll I'll also say that H2O just suffers from that that general '90s patina that just kind of coats movies. Patina. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. It's just like you know, like there's just certain '90s movies. Late, well, I would say late '90s movies in particular that have that kind of vibe to them where I don't know. I get it. LL Cool J's in it. (laughs) That 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 doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt at all. Um, So what I wanted to say was as far as just general bads and one of them I actually just thought of while I was listening to you that that I almost forgot to bring up. Speaking of continuity, I don't like the fact that some of these writers and directors that made these sequels can't be bothered with like keeping to just the the physiognomy, like, like, of Michael Myers, like keeping continuity with how he would actually look as yeah. as a as a person throughout these movies, and 
Five again is another. That's another gripe of mine. Is that's where it's like one of the most glaring, uh, uh, glaring examples of this. Where you see him briefly without the mask on, and he just looks like he's just like a normal fucking dude. This dude's been shot, fucking stabbed, fucking you know poked in the eye. Like he'd be so both eyes, shot in both eyes, stabbed in one eye, and the first one with a fucking coat hanger. Like, the dude would be fucking mangled. Well, this is the problem when you don't have a a Kane Hodder, like, playing him every... (laughs) You don't have the continuity of of that, like, say, in Friday the 13th, or Robert England, like, an iconic actor, or, like, a Doug Bradley, you know, playing Pinhead, like... Or Gunnar Hansen. Yeah, or that, yeah. I guess Gunnar Hansen, nah... I guess that doesn't count. No, that doesn't because he's what? Only in the first one? He's only in the first one. You're right. So never mind. Um, Well, you'll be interested to know this in that documentary that I watched. uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill laughingly were talking about how every – she was like everybody had an opportunity to play Michael. Like so in the original, Deborah Hill is Michael in some scenes, she said. Oh, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know that. I guess Deborah Hill wore the shit. John Carpenter wore the mask. I mean, they would just have like extras just kind of come up and wear the shit for, for scenes. I, I, they didn't ever have like a, a person that was, was him. I mean, in the later movies, they have stunt people that play him in some of them, but there's yeah. no continuity at all. And, and actually in H2O, they talk about this in the documentary too. There was a huge licensing argument over the masks. They could not mm-hmm. get the mask, right? the, original so they had to change it from the shatner mask to something similar and had to reshoot mm-hmm. it with different masks because there was a whole they fucking hated the way he looked and yeah. actually they did not get to reshoot it in certain scenes with the new mask so he has a cgi fucking michael myers mask in some scenes because they, they oh, just couldn't figure Lord. it out but, but this speaks to what you're talking about like how the fuck did they just just dust off the old spray painted Shatner mask and let's get going. Yeah. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that actually is another continuity issue is the masks. Some of the masks and some of them four and five in particular to me just look four specifically look like fucking shit and are, they're just glaringly bad in my opinion. Um, so I don't like that, but it's just like, again, you can have different people play this dude, but for shots where he's, briefly unmasked do something like make it look like his face is fucked up like he's his eyes are fucked up you know like i don't i just unless they want to try and you know airbrush this you know with with the 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 mystical the the this whole ongoing saga that he's able to regenerate or whatever i don't know but that always really bummed me out too that they just can't be bothered um, in some of the other ones, like the later ones too, you know, it's, they get really close up on his eyes and his eyes are just fine. And it's like, well, this motherfucker has had a lot of <laughs> retinal damage, you know, a lot of shit done to his, his eyes. So yeah, like in professional wrestling, like Kane wears a mask, but they had, they put like, you know, black shit over his eyes. So it doesn't just, you don't see those beautiful baby blues under that mask. It's like, you know, yeah. he looks like a burden victim, which he should. And I think that's why there's no curiosity in what he looks like. Cause you've kind of been given a glimpse uh, in a couple of movies and you're like, Oh, okay. This is just like, 
my fucking older brother. But whereas yeah. in like Friday the 13th, <laughs> you like right. legitimately get a good look at him, I think like twice. And it's great. They do a really good job of being like, all right, you want to see him? We're going to fucking make him look like hideous. Yeah, he's terrifying. He he's really disgusting. is terrifying. It's great. Like, because he's already supposed to, I don't, I don't want to get on that fucking tangent. No, but I yes, know. exactly. Um, so there's that. Also, finally, this is what I'm going to, before we go on to, to the other one, uh, the other movie, this is what I got to say. And this is a good and bad. But Dr. Loomis is obviously an integral part of this series. And Donald Pleasance is great in, I feel, in the first and second one. But overall, <laughs> I feel like the fifth one in particular, his overacting is through the fucking roof, for one. Also, Dr. Loomis in general is just a shitty doctor. Like, I would even posit the reason why <laughs> Michael Myers is so insane is because Dr. Loomis himself is completely fucking insane and does not know how to deal with his patient properly. And well, they have like a uh, Moby Dick, Captain Ahab relationship. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. But just, okay, like the way he interacts with Jamie Lloyd, especially in the fifth one where he is just like screaming at her up close, just like being the ultimate like aggro creepy old man. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude, like you are an awful person. <laughs> He's had it. Let's let's be real here. Let's give up, <laughs> give up the fucking info. OK, little girl. Like I'm trying to, I've been on, yeah, right? I've been on this, I've been on this tip since '78. Uh, like you weren't yeah. even fucking born yet. So like he's, he's just fried. Give me the well. What's so funny is later in the movie, uh, he's still on her ass, and and uh, Jamie Lloyd's like finally like gives in. She's like, what? You, you you think you could kill him? He's like, yeah, just fucking cooperate, like. Like, yeah, I, you should have cooperated earlier, which is funny. He has that confidence because it's like, all right. I mean, like he hasn't he's literally died and not died <laughs> in every movie. So I don't know why he's confident that this is the time. But it's very like Captain Ahab, like maniacally driven crazy going after yes. this white whale kind of uh, situation. Yeah. Well, and then in the sixth one, this is partially due, I'm sure, to the fact that. Uh, Donald Pleasance was on his deathbed when they were making yeah, it. Yeah, he died right after it. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Loomis is is uh, noticeably calmer in that one. Like, he's he's got a zen quality to him at that point where he's just he's like, defeated. oh, I'm, re- I'm retired, you know. And, you know, it's like I'm getting pulled back in. But he just doesn't have the same sort of um, maniacal fervor about chasing Michael down as he does in the other ones. Um but also that leads me to, I guess, just one other thing just to say is, and, you know, that we wouldn't have a franchise like this or basically any slasher movie or most horror movies if it posited common sense. But if you wanted to kill Michael, like there's ways that you could have just completely definitively just gotten this guy out of the way. Just fucking take a rocket launcher to this motherfucker. The the. Law enforcement in each one of these movies does like almost the bare minimum to actually entrap this guy, especially in the first one where Dr. Loomis himself even says like, oh, don't tell anybody that this guy's out on the streets. Keep it quiet. And it's like, all right, well, wouldn't it be like the opposite? You want everybody to know this motherfucker is running rampage throughout your town. So 
anyways, that's my, my that's my Doctor Loomis uh, diatribe. I think they do. I think they do a legitimately good good. I'm not, I was going to say police work, but it's more of a, a mob mentality. I think the mob, the angry mob that tracks him down at the end of four and gets him down in that rat hole. Yeah. I mean, they throw fucking like grenades and shit down there. Like, <laughs> they're at yeah. least trying. That, yeah, I will say of all of the movies, that is the most concerted effort to actually just wipe this they game out. Like this angry mob <laughs> just with like, like, let's get like six of these dudes in the pickup and like track this fucking guy down. And then, yeah. you know, because you see at the beginning of five that he just like snakes his way into a, a fucking know, like river. Right. Well, the, the, the hole behind him is like exploding with with a uh, shrapnel. So yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the best river. concerted effort they came up with was four. Yeah, until I feel like in six, like Tommy Doyle really, really does his best effort to just completely wipe this dude out with the resources that he has. It's like the it's like the best worst effort. Like it's like the people that think like fucking uh, salt crystals are going to cure their cancer and shit. It's like, yeah, he's doing a lot. Like he's working his ass off, but also he's yeah. like just like on his like uh 95 windows like <laughs> pulling up like druidic symbols and in, in like in art and just like it's like so oh, yeah. it's so weird like he's asking yeah. clippy for like uh, <laughs> answers to druidic questions and shit like yeah, yeah. he's trying hard with, with what he's got yeah well i mean but then he just like takes whatever he takes like an entire just like round of of those uh hypodermic needles of some sort of serum also he just said he's, he's taped true. together yeah yeah that's and a tight yeah shoves them into his back that is a tight <laughs> that's a tight one um that's the most inventive you're right no i'll give you i'll give it to you you're right that's the most inventive yeah. uh inventive way to kill him that they that they ever came up with um yeah in while well, in five uh loomis is uh sending horse tranquilizers into them by the fucking dozen and it's not doing anything. So yeah, if Danny Boyle was up on his shit, he would have known that, that, that tranquilizer business doesn't work. Right. <laughs> so that being said, all that all the way, <laughs> let's round off the, the, the bad with the, the ultimate bad of this series, which is resurrection. I actually have very little to say because it's so bad that I just I don't I I like don't want to waste breath on it. Like, I want to talk about it, but um, I will say that I could not get through it uh, this this past revisit. Um, I'm throwing it on the list as something I watched this month. But um, once when they start getting into like the Buster Rhymes, like Kung Fu shit, and like Tyre <laughs> Banks and the and the whole. <laughs> I guess we should talk about the premise being a reality webcam show and based around the (sighs) just exhausted thinking about it. Um, I did see what you had to say about it, and I actually agreed uh, that Buster Rhymes is the best part of that movie. Just strictly from a I was like taken aback. I was like, whoa, like Buster Rhymes is like a good actor like this is a like he was given this role and does this with it like i'm actually like cool with his performance and i was one on ll cool j um not in h2o but in deep blue sea i was like ll cool j i like him in h2o 
Um, but he shows a lot of that in Deep Blue Sea too. I like his role in both of those movies. I think he plays like a, a, a comedic relief type and I think it works in both roles. Um, and I think Buster Rhymes did a great job too. And that's the end of the good things I'll have to say about it. And, and did you, you watch the whole thing? You, you probably have way more to say cause I couldn't fucking get through it. It's so, it's such a slog. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I'll say about it. Um, it is very much a slog. I even made the comment while I was watching it this last time because I'm pretty sure I'd never seen it before. Like I said, sometimes I second guess myself. But regardless, I was telling my partner while we were watching it, I said, this is definitely a movie that if I would have watched this in the theater, I probably would have walked out on. So, but this is what I'll say about it. Um, there is this kind of strange aspect to it where you kind of, once you get through the initial just mind-numbing, dated, early 2000s, uh, shitty teen kind of, like, like, why do you have to have technology so prominent of that era aspects of it? It kind of, it dips way down, and then it kind of goes back up, where, for me, it got to a point where I'm like, eh, this is like still really fucking stupid, but when it gets full on into the kills, I kind of can ride it out a little bit better to the point where like, you know, it gets to that final whole, you know, showdown between Buster Rhymes and Michael and the girl whose fucking name I can't remember that plays the, the final girl. Don't ask <laughs> so, me. I don't even know. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know what she's in other than that. She sucks in this movie. Don't care about her. <laughs> as, Sarah, as a Moyer, character. Sarah Moyer, the character yeah. of Sarah Moyer. Yeah. Yeah. She's played, the, it's the, played by a no name. The, the only other actress I, I know of in this movie outside of this movie, besides Tyra Banks and, and Buster Rhymes, of course, is uh, Katie Sackhoff. And that's just because recently I've been rewatching Battlestar Galactica. And oh, she's in that. Wow. Well, yeah. So. And her so, name is. Uh, did we talk about this? What? Her name is Jennifer Danzig. In the. What? The. In the movie? In the movie, Katie Sackoff plays Jen Danzig. I didn't. No. Actually, I completely. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't know that. Just. I, I guess we have nothing to say about that other than this, my jaw is just dropped. I don't know. That's it's funny. Like, I wonder I wonder if there's any sort of reference that matters with that or if that's just that's zero reference, random. just total bullshit across the board. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this movie is a piece of shit. It's completely dated. It's everything I fucking hate about that bad period of, of horror movies. Early 2000s from- is a vapid wasteland desert apocalyptic shithole for horror you get a lot of these a lot of these advent of the internet bullshit like webcam like oh it's just more yeah this is really it's a lot of product placement for things that you know don't need to have that much prominence in a movie uh (laughs) you know like oh look there's a super old imac you know there's there's your your PDA that you're which is like that's a funny thing in this movie. The PDA, the the, the digital assistant like like thing, the handheld thing, actually has a very prominent role. So that's why it also sucks, is because it it's a necessary device in the conclusion of the movie. 
I know. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes. Um, and just, yeah, the annoying ass, like, headsets that the characters wear throughout the whole movie to, to film each other. Um, nothing's more yeah, dated. The, nothing, nothing, nothing is more dated <laughs> than giving cameras to young people and be like, film, film yourselves as to why you want to get killed by Michael Myers. And then like doing like <laughs> point of view, like bullshit, like nineties <laughs> bedroom webcam setups. Like it is the epitome of cringe. Um, yeah. Did you, super. did you know the alternative titles? You're going to love this if you haven't read it. Uh uh-uh. These were the original titles before they landed on Halloween Resurrection. Halloween Resurrection being easily the best of of the three. Well, I actually like the first one. Halloween Homecoming was originally pitched. Uh, kind of like that. Um, Halloween H2K. That's got to be the <laughs> most piece of shit name of all time. If it weren't for this third name, and I'm not even joking, HalloweenMichaelMyers.com. Ah. Uh. Of course. This should have been called HalloweenMichaelMyers.com. And I, I don't know if I, you knew. I don't think I would be able to watch it at all. If, if it was called HalloweenMichaelMyers.com, out of principle alone, I would <laughs> could not watch it. I just no. could not. But Hard, no. that is a hint at, um, I didn't know how you, if you knew how this movie came about, because they talk about it in the documentary. They basically went to these various Halloween message boards because message boards were all the rage in the early 2000s obviously yeah, of course. and we're like what should the next Halloween movie be and the general consensus after polling absolute fucking idiots was <laughs> let's do like a cool modern webcam thing when like I don't know get a rapper to be on there because that'd be cool and, and hip and like super yeah. trendy and they're like you got it guys we'll throw this shit together real quick <laughs> dude it is a, I, the more i read about it the more unsettled i i'm unsettled by this movie yeah it really it's it sucks pretty bad and and you know i'm glad that we got this out of the way because that means i will never ever have to watch this piece of shit again just for like a prank the worst prank of all time i'm gonna pick halloween resurrection for a midnight flicks episode and not only will oh, you have man. to watch it again you'll have to do thorough research on it i mean i'll do it Welcome i'll to take hell, one baby. for the team <laughs> well we're yeah. not, we're not gonna do that only for the simple fact that i am dead serious on tracking down halloween six the curse of michael myers producer's cut and doing a whole episode on that yeah that would be that would be more worthy of our time for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other one is just simply because I, I fucking want to watch us both suffer. Apparently. <laughs> um, that's it. That's what I got. Anything else before we move on to the best? No. Uh, let's move on to the best. I met him fifteen years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason. No uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. 
Well, in case you, he, he, anybody out there couldn't have figured it out by now, at least my best. Uh, I mean, what else do we have left? Because I mean, <laughs> you, you talked, about, you talked about the Dan. I, I'm sorry if I already forget exactly what we just talked about. You, we talked about the Danny McBride one on the good, right? So it's not in my good because it is my best. It is your best. Curveball. Good. I'm glad to hear it. There you go. So my best, obviously, is the is it's the OG. It will always be the best, no matter what comes out after it. But you you talk about why this one. So that's the thing. If this one's your best, we didn't talk about whatever. It doesn't make sense. Well, uh, you know, I didn't want to just you know for the sake of a of a cliffhanger here. Yeah. I don't want to be like you know what's good. That first right. one's pretty good. Like obviously, yeah. th- th- This is my reasoning. Yeah, I got you. I got you for sure. So obviously, go ahead. the first one is is the best. Yeah. But I just wanted to make a case as to why the 2018 reboot directed by uh, David Gordon Green and written by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. Um, I, I wanted to make an argument as to why it is the best um, aside from the first one. The best, because this is my reasoning, the best thing to happen to this franchise is that somebody took the idea of Michael Myers and they didn't overthink or overcomplicate it they didn't try to do a psychoanalysis of Michael Myers. Yeah. They didn't try and muddle the mythos surrounding Michael Myers. They didn't feel the need to unnecessarily explain supernatural elements to Michael Myers. But instead, what we got was a lovingly crafted sequel, which honored the original while maintaining a timelessly modern edge. Um and David Gordon Green and Danny McBride successfully managed to do what nine previous installments failed to do, which was <laughs> make Michael Myers scary again. He yeah. is a force of nature in this new one. And it, it was refreshing to see. He was scary for the first time in a long time. He is scarier than he is in any other movie aside from the first so it's my best because not only is it a well-crafted movie by a couple of horror nerds, which is exactly what we needed. Um, yeah. We didn't need some outside director to come in and, and tell us why he thinks uh, the next one should be Michael Myers is in a military encampment and being studied f- to harness his evil power so they can make super soldiers <laughs> or some shit. Like, I don't want to yeah. see that. This was this was lovingly crafted and it saved this franchise. And from the idea of being the best Friday, the 13th has has spun its wheels and have, hasn't done shit. Uh, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street can't seem to fucking figure it out. And but the Halloween right. franchise is alive and well. And you can't say any better uh, accolade than that as to why. um why it would be the best that, that this is my argument at least uh, outside of the first one this one does the most to rejuvenate um this franchise i think yeah beautifully stated bravo my friend bravo and also take note rob zombie you motherfucker it really if, so like do a comparison study it's kind of nuts to think 
how simple that idea is. It's like, well, really? why can't someone just lovingly do this? Why can't someone just mm-hmm. figure it out? It doesn't seem hard, but it's kind of really difficult because you give it to Rob Zombie and this is that's what we got. And it's like, well, that sucked. Um, <laughs> could someone other than like a 14 year old do this? And <laughs> yeah. so like and then Danny McBride comes on board and you're like, didn't even know that dude was like a Halloween franchise lifer. Uh, right. Cool. Like he shows up in Alien Covenant like randomly. And I'm like, I didn't know this dude was like a fucking nerd. Like, that's yeah. great. And then him and David Gordon Green just hammered it out. And I it, and I guess to to speak to more of the best is I am genuinely excited for the next two movies. I, I think they're going to put together a fucking awesome trilogy. I really do. I agree. Yeah. And it's and, yeah. Did you want to speak to how um, Halloween fits into this franchise? Like from the perspective of where it takes, where it picks up and all that. The, the, the remake. Yeah. Or the sequel. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, it, it just kind of, it, it basically, it bypasses all of this, the shenanigans that has occurred in between the first one and up till now. So it completely retcons all of that does away with all of the the mythos and the familial relationship that Michael Myers has with the characters. Um yeah. So and it's Jamie just Curtis it, it, just basically plays a recluse um <laughs> gun salvage you know gun hoarding nutball um who has been driven into insanity waiting for her inevitable death knowing that michael myers is will eventually come for her and uh the the booby trapped house that she puts together is so satisfying to watch that culmination of those two coming together. If you really do think of it the way you described, which is think of the first one coming out in 1978 and then think of nothing else. I know it's hard, but think of the fact that no other movie came out, nothing ever came out. And this is what, this is what we get after the fact. That's great. That's, that's great. Uh, writing. That's just, it's just fantastic. It's a fantastic idea. And, uh, it's got the funny elements. There's like, there's comedic, uh, you know, it, her son-in-law, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's, uh, Laurie Strode's son-in-law is like the comedic relief of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But he, Michael Myers himself is fucking mowing people down in a way that has not been scary in forever. And I, I love the setup of, of the insane asylum that he's in. It's so like, yeah, beautifully shot and like uh, just it's just great. I remember getting goosebumps when I saw the trailer and he's in that he's in that like four by four square and you can go up, yeah. to, the, up to the line, but no further. Like it, I was like, he's back, baby. Like he's back. Like this is great. This is going to be fucking great. Right. And I mean, if, if you wanted to even do sort of a dissertation on the conditions that mental, you know, that patients with mental illnesses have to actually endure. Um, 
it also speaks a lot about, you know, the fact that, yeah, this guy in this time has also not been rehabilitated because maybe he's also been put in pretty, you know, medieval sort of circumstances himself. So, you know, there's that aspect to it as well. Absolutely. That's a great point. you know, so but that opens up a whole nother can of worms. But I do again, I it's funny because I that is a complaint of mine that I've had, obviously, about this move, movie franchise is people trying to create an unnecessary backstory. to it. I, I I don't mind it as much being in sequels as I mind it being in the actual, you know, initial movie itself, which is what Rob Zombie was doing, where he like creates this whole fucking backstory you know, that just sucks in the movie itself. His mom's a stripper. You know? Oh, 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 cool. Like, yeah, he was like, what's the cheapest, most fucking like fruitless way I can, <laughs> I can drag my stupid ass wife, my on the least talented person <laughs> on the planet into this fucking dread, dr- just a f- drudgery of a movie. Right. Like it, it's so, it's just he's like he's playing like checkers and David Gordon Green and, and uh, Danny McBride are like fucking Russian chess masters. Chess masters. Yeah, man. Just totally like they, he just missed the fucking point And the point was right there all along and they were able to pick it up and run. Like, with don't it. make it a subsect of your of your Firefly family movies. And, uh, you know, I actually like House of Thousand Corpses. I actually like Devil's Rejects. I'm not anti-Rob Zombie, but what he did for those Halloween movies is almost unforgivable. It's like, all right, man, like, I've had enough of sucking these fumes down. Like, you didn't need to just recast your fucking family into this shit. Like, make the movie that (laughs) we've all been anticipating because the last thing we saw was Resurrection. You had resurrection as the <laughs> last movie that everyone remembers. So there was nowhere else to go, but up. And he somehow did a lateral move. Like he, it, didn't, yeah. it wasn't worse, but it's also something that I will never watch again, which is resurrection. Yeah. He fumbled. He fumbled real hard. He fucking with that. He fumbled right out of. Yeah. He fumbled he, in, in football. If you fumble the ball, going into the end zone it's a turnover and the other person's ball the other team's ball on the 20 that's what he fucking did was that that's absolutely comedic move absolutely 100 what he did it's just because and that was i am anti-rob zombie at this point and that was the reason why that fucking movie was the nail in the coffin because i was whatever whatever about house of a thousand corpses it had some redeeming aspects to it but then once again it kind of just like the wheels came off with this whole fucking, you know, elaborate, like extra aspect to it with the Dr. Satan thing or whatever that just been, it was just like another thread that just needed to, to not be like, you know, created in that movie. Whereas like, I felt like devil's rejects was a good movie. Cause it's a very contained movie. It's a simplistic idea. It's just some fucking maniacs that are on a killing spree and they're on the run. Cool. Like, you did it there. You had the fucking formula. You, you you made it work and then he fucks it up. But like, not only does he fuck it up with like just a movie, but he fucks it up with like a classic movie that he's trying to pay homage to. And so at that point, I'm just like, fuck you. And everything he's done since I'm like, fuck you because he just has the same shitty fucking redneck, you know, faux redneck fucking, 
you know, slop that he has to throw on it. So I just don't give a fuck about anything he does. Like if you were in the 90s and you were told, (laughs) you were told, hey, the guy who did (laughs) Dragula is going to remake the Halloween movies. Are you fucking stoked or what? (laughs) I'd be like, the the guy that did what is going to do what? Yeah. That's a wild future. Oh, yeah. And Donald Trump is our president. Right. I was was told in the 90s. I'd be like, excuse me? Yeah, it's the, it's just that wacky bizarro universe Welcome that we've just been, we just we just keep getting you know pushed further and further into. So, anyways, so there you go. That's our best. I know that you wanted to talk about that there are these mythical extra movies. So to tie up this you know this episode a bit, did you want to talk about these extraneous? mythical Halloween franchise movies. Well, I feel bad. I took up all our time talking about the Halloween reboot. Do you want to say some words about obviously why the first one's so rad still and timeless? Um, I don't think I need to. You think everything's really think already been said on the subject? Because that's fine, it's too. Already, it's, it's already been said. It's, it's a very... It, and because what we were just talking about with these other like these remakes and these other attempts at it and what you just said about the the daniel gordon green am i saying his name right yeah and uh, and and danny mcbride uh remake i think can that can be said about that first one it's because it's a it has a very elegant premise to it it has a very elegant self-contained premise that's terrifying that doesn't need a lot of fucking backstory or anything like that. It's just this like inexplicably evil deranged human being that just like a switch is flipped on in his mind at a very early age that like, he's just like the most like, like the most catastrophic loss of innocence happens on one night and it's a it's a it's it's a genie that's let out of the bottle that no one can put back in and it just goes on this mysterious killing spree and he seems supernatural but he's not i don't know like i just to me it's just like there's a suspense and there's an atmosphere to the movie and the soundtrack the theme song obviously there's so much about it that set a precedent for for movies to come. Um, we talked about when one of the episodes earlier, like about the whole idea of the, of the theme song representing the killer. Like this was kind of like introduced more or less in this as well. Yeah. So I very don't, much so there there's, there's cinematography to it that wasn't necessarily used as much in early movies, like the point of view. Um, so there's just like a, a lot of really, classy cool elements and it was done on such like a bare bones budget like that's the thing like this if anything proves that you can make a a cool movie without a lot of money as long as you've got the right people and and the right sort of talent you know and the right vision you can do something that is really good you don't need a, a you know you don't need to be bankrolled with a ton of fucking money so yeah i mean those are just some like the highlights of why that movie rules so much. And, 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 you know, when you watch it, you feel like it, it, it is appropriate for the season. There's a, there are, you know, feelings that you get 
that are nostalgic and and brings you back. It's an eternal return to a certain time and place. So that's just some of the things, I guess. Well said. No, totally agreed. The only thing I'll say about the original that hasn't been said already was in that documentary that I watched. uh, And I didn't even think about this until John Carpenter said it, but they came to John Carpenter and they're like, we want you to direct this movie. It's about a a guy who's killing teenagers on Halloween. And the the whole movie uh, takes place on Halloween and it's going to be called Halloween. And he's like, you know, smoking a cigarette and then already like lighting his next cigarette with the cigarette that he has in his head, in his mouth. <laughs> and he's like, I'm in, but I want my name above the title. I never thought about that. Uh, it's called yeah. John Carpenter's Halloween. His only, the only thing he wanted, he was like, I, I'm in, but I want my name above the title. Uh, yeah. and it's to this, obviously to this day called John Carpenter's Halloween, um, at least for that first one. So I thought that was a cool look. That's the thing. There's just like other little things about like the opening title card is is so iconic. Oh yeah, even the like, glow of the of the candle in the jack o' lantern is so yeah yeah yeah. But, even even when you see the Mustafa Akkad, like that dude, under I get, itself, I get like, hyped for that in the later ones. When, I, when, when he buys the when he buys the <laughs> franchise, uh, I'm like in when he's when yeah. I see Mustafa Akkad, I'm like okay, fuck yeah, yeah. I, and I felt that way when I rewatched four this time, like that beginning sequence of four. Yeah. And I, that, that farm, like the, just the yeah. farm se- uh, scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, I don't know how about how much for you, but like for me, it's because I'm from the Midwest and I, I, you know, have such, you know, I have such an important relationship with, Midwestern autumns and falls that that's also why this movie has a lot of significance to me. And like, you know, like the overall atmosphere of the movie, that opening sequence of that fourth one, like it just makes me think of what is essentially my favorite time and place in the whole world. If it had smell of vision, it'd be bonfire smell. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so to wrap up, these are the Halloween movies that never were made, but were in deep, different stages of production, but definitely were talked about. Uh, the first of which is something we've already talked about, um, which is The Curse of Michael Myers, the producer's cut. So that's kind of the, the Halloween movie that never was because it was never released as such. Um, yeah. The next one is... And I believe the Halloween franchise was in Dimension Pictures at the time, but I'm not positive who what hands they were in because it, it switches hands and I couldn't keep track of it. But in 2003, when they when Freddy versus Jason came out, um, basically producers were talking about how much of a failure <laughs> that movie was going to be. And then when it was like a, one of the most massive horror uh, successes <laughs> in recent memory... They tried to piece together this movie called Michael Myers versus Pinhead. Um, And Doug Bradley says, quote, the version of events I got back on this is that the Akkad brothers who produce Halloween retained control of the sequels and didn't want the crossover to be made. I guess they didn't want Michael Myers hanging around with the likes of Pinhead. But at one point during all of this, when they were shooting ideas back and forth, um, Clive Barker was going to write the script, the screenplay, and John Carpenter was going to direct. And Clive Barker and John Carpenter were in discussions about doing it because Clive Barker says in the documentary they talked to John Carpenter about it and that John Carpenter was secretly really stoked about it. That's wild. 
I had, I had no idea about that. Actually, that would have been <laughs> wildly nuts. I don't even know what yeah. that looks like. <laughs> like, I hope it's let like less Ghost of Mars and more like like I'm trying to think of shitty carpenter stuff. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, the, who knows what that would have been like. Uh, the next one is Halloween 3D, which was basically um, in production around 2015, and it was supposed to be a sequel to Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Um, yeah, for real. And Rob Zombie was asked to direct, but declined. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then the film was ultimately canceled because Dimension lost the rights to the series. Um, yeah. So that never happened. Thank God. Um, (laughs) and then the only other one was right around the same time. And for the same reasons didn't happen, but it was called Halloween returns. And this is 2016. And the idea being that, uh, the 18 year old or adult child of one of Myers's victims from the previous movies, him and a friend go to see Michael Myers's execution. Um, cause he's on death row and he's up to be executed but through whatever various uh, circumstances, Myers escapes and is now uh, tracking down these kids and their these kids' families. Um, yeah. That was the premise for Halloween Returns, but it also didn't happen because uh, Dimension lost the rights to the series and they had a, they had to quit filming. But they were like on loca- on location in Louisiana, like filming this shit, um, and that was the closest one to actually happening because they actually had it. A script and we're filming and all that and they had to stop um but those wow. are all the halloween movies that never were there you go um unfortunately we don't have any more of these flicks episodes uh it's been that's, a real a real pleasure adam it has yeah. um i love doing them i hope people had fun listening to them but i suppose if we were to crack open our uh, crystal ball or Ouija board. Um, Hmm. We looking ahead, I would say that we are going to start doing our regular run of midnight flicks episodes after a short winter hiatus. So look for that to happen in early 2021. If we are all still standing. Who knows? Who who knows? Who knows what horror show awaits us in real life? Much scarier than anything we talked about this month. Um, (laughs) But in all reality, uh, those episodes will be up in early 2021. And I'm currently in the works, if anyone was curious. I don't think anyone is. But uh, our whole library is not currently up for various reasons and i'm currently in the works after we're done with the flicktober series in re-uploading the entire library um in time for the the new season to begin in early 2021 i know everybody out there is salivating to re-listen to that running man episode so yeah, you gotta you know, get that back up. You don't have to keep DMing me. You don't have to keep emailing me. You don't have to mm-hmm. keep texting me about when the Billy Jack episode is going to be back up. <laughs> Hold your fucking horses. <laughs> don't worry. We'll get it back in time, baby. Don't worry. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to have a whole, like, just a, a slate 
of fantastic movies to talk about. I'm excited for season two. I'm ready to get back in the driver's seat of what this podcast is. This has been fun, but I want to branch out a little bit. And that's what makes Midnight Flicks so fun is that we don't just do horror movies. We do action movies and thrillers. And the one thing I don't think we've delved into, and maybe season two is the first for it, is a comedy. Or porn. Fucking porn. Yeah, that'd be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Seymour Butts fucking three. That'd be great. (laughs) Anal Avengers volume 10. Oh, fuck. Is that is that part of the Avengers anthology? Absolutely. Cool. (laughs) That's somewhere between fucking Infinity War and whatever other bullshit. Yeah, actually, now that I recall, though, I don't think... Maybe I'm I'm drawing a blank here. I don't think we really talked about any sci-fi movies either. No, Running Man is sci-fi, right? Yeah, you're right. Run, Running Man is a sci-fi movie. So sorry, I uh, I retract my statement. But yeah, Com- no comedy no, is really the last unexplored territory. So, and we have very different uh, comedy tastes. So that might be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. I I don't know. It's like it's weird for me because. Comedy doesn't necessarily fall in under the, the what I consider the strict rubric of maybe what you know what we've discussed up till now. But that's true. That's probably why it hasn't popped up, and probably why we haven't uh, gotten the box of tissues out and discuss our favorite rom coms either. I know. I can't wait to talk about um, uh, Forrest Gump, though. Oh my god. The fucking boomer <laughs> fever dream that is Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it when you said that. That'd be my favorite favorite uh <laughs> things. Okay. Yeah, well, so there we go. It's been real. Uh I had a good time doing this too, so let's uh let's take a nice uh much needed uh respite and hibernate and you know, dream dream upon what uh what is to come with, with midnight flicks. Great. Love you, buddy. You too, ma. Trick or treat, motherfucker. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our specially crafted intro music for these uh, Flixtober episodes. We really appreciate the time and effort she put into that. If you're a band looking to submit a song or a listener looking to submit a question, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at midnightflixpod. For Adam Walker, I'm Pat Mitchell. See you next year. Trick or treat, motherfucker.